0: Father, we just want to say thank you for an opportunity to come together and pray and reflect on the fact that you have done everything to get us to the point where we can dwell and speak and communicate and to join you in eternity. from sending your son to die on the cross, to giving us people throughout scripture as examples of faith, to give us your word in scripture to live our lives by. God, we we have everything we need to serve you. And while we don't have the strength within ourselves, Lord, you give us the Holy Spirit to call upon and ask to empower us to free us from sins and addictions to give us the words to say to represent you well to be able to proclaim the message of the gospel so that other people can know who you are Jesus thank you for providing a way so that we can sing things like this song that one day we can look forward to joining you in eternity we can look forward to being in heaven and to experience all those things that we read about in scripture God thank you for that possibility without you it's impossible but God with you all things are possible. So Lord, we pray that you would be with us today. Be with our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be with us. Strengthen them. We pray especially for John and Betty Bruce. Lord, lift them up physically and spiritually this morning. God, we ask that you would watch over us and guide us And in this moment of worship. Help our hearts and lives to be open to you so that you can change us and mold us into the men and women of God that you've called us to be. We love you, we thank you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. We are still in the book of Daniel, so if you want to turn to chapter 3, that's where we are today. It'll be on the screen as usual. There's a phrase called sticking to your guns that's a little dated. Some of you older people know this. I mean, if you grew up watching Westerns and uh, understanding the importance of sticking to what you know, something that you're confident with is uh, much easier than changing something constantly. You know, we we talk about it today, we call it muscle memory. Um, A lot of athletics promote that, just doing repetitions of stuff, but... Sticking to your guns is very important. It's a character trait that you don't see a lot anymore, especially in our day and time where we live in a culture and society that is constantly bombarding us with messages of change, changing the way that we look at politics, the way that we look at culture, the way that we look at sexuality, the way we look at morality in general. Everything is just constantly bombarding us with change. And and as Christians this morning... I want to talk about this with you because I think this goes great with our passage of scripture, but also you're living in a day and time where it's very important that as individuals, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what you believe in and that you stick to it and you don't let anything else in this world sway you, persuade you, move you, shift you, shape you in any way, but you stick to those guns till the bitter end. Now, you got to be careful in this, all right? Now, I'm, I'm one, I always like to throw in disclaimers, okay? My wife fusses at me. She says, I don't do this. I think disclaimers are good. Because <clears throat> there have been people in the past who like to take things and you say, okay, well, we're not changing anything. We don't change nothing, which sounds cool until realizing that a lot of the things that we cling to aren't necessarily that important. You with me this morning? Now, I'm saying this because there is a difference between biblical truth and the understanding of scriptural doctrines that you should cling to and you should stick to and never allow yourself to be moved on. And then there's a big difference between that and, you know, personal preferences, personal convictions, things that have been promoted from people in the past that, may have worked for a time, but maybe like aren't necessarily relevant anymore. And there's a big difference between the two. And you have to know the difference as to what you should stick to. Because think about this. If you are someone who screams about everything, how important is everything to everyone around you? If you just have something to say or fuss about, or you're just going to die on every single hill, then no hill is sacred. You with me? Like so. For, so, in order for your beliefs, in order for your your voice, in order for your where you stand to have relevancy and also just authority in general, you have to understand that there are certain things that that are hills that we should die on when it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ, and then there are other things that we just realize through spiritual maturity over time that. This isn't as important as people have made it or it isn't as important as I thought it was and sometimes we just have to let things go. Does that make sense? So this morning we're not talking about we're not talking about traditions, we're not talking about preferences, we're not talking about personal convictions. We're talking about biblical truths. Doctrines of scripture that really shape and develop who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. Things that will affect your very morality and what you stand for, and then how you present yourself to a world of people who do not believe in the same God that you believe in. That's the difference we're talking about today. So we're in Daniel 3. If you haven't figured it out already, Daniel is an incredible book. It's long, the chapters are a little lengthy. In order for us to really get into the stories, I cannot read and cover the entire story in an adequate amount of time that we have here today. So I'm dipping in and out of certain passages of Scripture. Most of you probably know the story of the fiery furnace. If you don't, it's okay. Go home and read it. It's a great story. But we're not going to read every single aspect of it. We're going to focus on some little passages of Scripture. We're going to pull some things out of those passages that I feel like apply to us in our daily lives that we can really take and use in our Monday through Saturday life in living in the culture and world that we live in today. So, Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, let's read this again. It says, Then a herald shouted out, <clears throat> People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey this command would immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Stage set set. You understand what's going on? Let's skip to verse 12. But there are some Jews, pesky Jews, can't do nothing with them, right? There are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse... You will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you, which is a really bold statement. Nebuchadnezzar is, without a question, the most powerful human being on planet earth at this time. There's nothing at his disposal. Even scripture says that God had given him dominion over all people and even the animals of the earth. I mean, he is the most powerful man. And they look at him and they look him in the eye and say, Mm -hmm. we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. You look at this story and you look at these three young men, you're looking at three individuals who have made up their mind to serve God no matter what. It's so point number one this morning, I want to remind you that God's truth sometimes takes a while to sink in. This is very important. Think back to chapter 2 when we talked about Daniel last week, when Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he requires all the magicians and the enchanters and the astrologers and all these people to come in, all these wise men. He brings them in and says, tell me what I dreamed and tell me what the dreams mean. And if you don't, I'm going to tear you apart and I'm going to have your houses brought down into piles of rubble. And in the midst of all that, it is Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who engage in this this act of prayer to seek God's face, and God reveals truth through these three young men. And and it doesn't mention Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego very much because that particular (coughs) passage was more focused on Daniel, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were prayer partners in that whole event. They were praying with Daniel as well. And in chapter 2, verse 47, Nebuchadnezzar makes this statement. Truly your God is the greatest of gods. The Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Now think about this. Nebuchadnezzar has this moment, this experience where he is revealed truth. He understands his dream is significant. He knows that it means something. He's looking for answers and no one has the answers for him except for the one true God who Daniel represents well and reveals him and says, the one true God revealed this to me because he wants you to understand what's in your heart. And so in that moment, truth is revealed, but it takes a while for God's truth to really sink into individuals because we don't know exactly how long this is from chapter two to chapter three, but apparently enough time has passed for Nebuchadnezzar to forget what happened with his dream and who the one true God is and the Lord over all kings and everything that he said back in chapter two. And now he's saying, and then what God will be able to save you from my power. It's a very interesting thing. You know, we've talked about this in times past. Um, I'm very privileged today to have uh, several of my youth over the years, you know, sitting in, in here and helping out with ministry and doing things. Um, it's a huge privilege. And it's always amazing because Greg and Jody and I have talked about this because over the years, you have these experiences where you, where God speaks and moves and these amazing things happen and you see it and you know it and you know that it's true. And there's just a few things that's happened in my life where once those things happen, like I've said, like from that point on, I could never with a clear conscience, go back and live without being a follower of Christ. And there's moments where I can remember when I was called to ministry where I could never from this point on go back and live and work a secular job and not be in the ministry and not be living in sin. And while we have those experiences, the amazing thing is is that there are so many people who are around you in the room, in the same place. They're watching and they're hearing and they're experiencing the same exact thing you are, but at the same time, they don't respond in the same way. It doesn't affect them the same way. And that's very puzzling. We pastors, we, we talk about that a lot. How, how can people not give their heart to Christ after seeing that, after hearing that, after knowing that? And today, you know, some people are still here and then other people aren't. In that convention center in Charlotte, when I was called to ministry, there was like 8,000 other people in that room. Some of those people who were in our youth group at the time no longer have strong relationships with the Lord. I can't explain that. And I say that because I want to encourage you this morning. Because there are people in your life that you love, that you care about, that you want them to know who Christ is. You've been praying for them. You've been telling them. You've been encouraging them. You've They've seen all the things that you've seen. They've heard all the things that you heard, and it just has not sank in yet. And I just want to encourage you this morning, be patient. Keep going. Nebuchadnezzar had something amazing revealed to him personally. And even in this moment, as he's surrounded by godly men, and he's he's elevated them. You remember, he put them in charge of the providence of Babylon because of what they had done, because of how God had moved through them. And yet in this moment, he's calling them to forsake the God that he rewarded them for in the past. And he's calling them to forsake it now in order to do what he wants them to do. There are people in your life that you do not know how long it's going to take for you to have to water that seed before it sprouts up that you don't know how long you're going to have to stand around that plant and hoe the weeds and clear the weeds out and take care of it and throw some fertilizer on it and water it and water it and water it, and water it before it finally begins to bear fruit and produces a harvest. And there's some of you who are sitting in here this morning that, that you are that plant that hasn't grown yet or you haven't sprouted or you haven't begun to bear fruit yet. It's really important for us as individuals to be open and honest with where we are spiritually. To allow God to come in and do those works, to let that plant grow, to, to, to bear fruit for him. But it's also important for us as followers of Christ to not get discouraged and to understand that That sometimes it just takes a while for truth to sit in. Think about how discouraging it would be for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this moment to be rewarded for serving God in chapter 2 and be thrown in the fire in chapter 3. For doing the same thing. You with me? With the same man who rewarded them, now he's punishing them. And that's the way life is, that's the way following Christ is sometimes. Don't get frustrated. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep serving the Lord. Because in the longevity of our service, great rewards await. Not monetary rewards, but rewards of seeing God work and move. And building our faith and our trust in him to do great things. Nebuchadnezzar is no different from anyone else. Yes, he was the most powerful man on earth. But he was also stubborn and prideful and arrogant, just like many of us. And it took a while for it to sink in. Point number two, God will ordain hard circumstances that will affirm your faith or reveal it to be weak. If you're sitting here this morning and you are under the impression that once you give your heart to Jesus Christ, that it's supposed to be easy and you're just supposed to be rewarded and life is supposed to be good, and it's just happy, and we're all smiling, you've been fooled. It's not. There will be times of reward. When you first get saved, you know this. You feel great when you first give your heart to Christ. You feel like a 1,000 pounds was lifted off your shoulders. You feel free. You have joy that you never had before. And then for some people, it might be the next week. For other people, it might be months down the road. But there are dark times coming, aren't there? And it happens in cycles. You look at Daniel chapter 1, they're called to be obedient to God's word. And then they're rewarded for it. In Daniel 2, they're called to pray and to reveal God's truth. And then they're rewarded for it. And in chapter 3, as they represent God in the most simple way of just saying, no, we serve God, we're not doing this. They're being thrown into the fire and punished for the same exact thing. There are times in your life, and you need to understand this, God is going to ordain times in your life. And even if you just come out of a time in your life where you were tested, and where your faith was stretched, and you were caused to grow spiritually, that you need to understand there's another one coming around the corner at some point in time. It never ends. You look at examples of scripture, and you look at people like Abraham, or Moses, or anybody... God constantly called them. God constantly stretched them. He constantly brought difficulties in their life. And how they handled it and responded to it had great impact into their future. And you look at Abraham and God called him from his home to go to a foreign land and do all this stuff. And Abraham was the father of faith that we read about. And yet even as he got older and he had his son, God once again decided to test him in his faith by offering his one and only son. Do not think that we are any more special than the people in the Bible that we live our lives from their examples. We should be open-minded enough to understand that as we read stories about them, hey, we might have to go through the same exact thing they're going through. We might have to give up the same things they had to give up. We might have to do the same things they're doing. And when God ordains these times in your life, because they're coming, he makes them come because there's, there's, there's a couple things that's going to happen in this. Number one, you're going to fail. And when you fail, it's not the end of the world. It's not you're doomed or damned to hell or anything like that. It is a revelation that your relationship with Christ is not as strong as it should be. You've failed. We're all failures. We're all sinners. It's just revealing to you that you need to grow. That's all it is. And so he is going to reveal the weaknesses and the shortcomings in your life so that he can bring you to the point to be the man or woman that he wants you to be. With me? Now, the other thing is, is that you succeed. And in that testing, when you succeed, it does two things. Number one, it causes you to have more faith in God because you experience it. You realize, okay, if God can do this, then later on you you have a little more faith. Say, well, I remember God doing that, so now God can do this. And second is, is that it gives you the confidence to step out and to do things that you did not think were possible. When you, when you track this story, all right, from, from Daniel 1 to Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are ready, they are ready to put it on the line, to put their life on the line to say, you know what? We believe that God can do it, but even if he doesn't, we're ready. And they have enough faith in him to say that because they saw how faithful God was whenever they were obedient to his word. They saw how faithful God was when they cried out to him in prayer and he revealed truth. And even in this moment where it might cost them everything, they are at the point in their life where they're ready to put all their chips in and go all in and say, we believe in God enough to think we can win this battle, but even if we don't, we're okay with it because there's nothing else in this world that is as important to us as our God. Anybody play poker? You're not going to raise your hand in church, are you? You're all lying. You know you like poker. There's some people in this room right now that I was involved in a poker game with. I'm not going to call them by name. And one of them's really good and one of them's really terrible. Now, the one that's terrible has a horseshoe the size of Texas you know where. And I've tried to get them for years to play the lottery, and I can't talk them into it yet. They literally win everything. everything that they, if they don't know how to play it, it doesn't matter. They're still going to win. So everybody else loses all their chips. We're on the outside, and we're all watching these last two people play. One of them's terrible. One of them's pretty good. And the one that's good has all the chips, and the one that's terrible has like five chips left. And as we watch them play... The one that was terrible had absolutely nothing to lose. All right? And the one that was winning was just like, okay, this is fun. Like, Let's just get this thing over with. And he just makes the person with five chips go all in. And for like 13 straight hands, the good poker player forces the other one all in to try to win the game and eventually take the game from them. And for like 13 straight hands, the person like... Because once you go all in, I mean, think about this. You go all in before the cards are even turned over, like on the Annie. You just go in on the ante before the cards are even turned over. There's nothing to lose. You don't play. It just works out like the way it's going to work out. So they just like start flipping over the cards. Nobody's playing. It's all said and done before the cards are even turned over. In 13 straight hands, the one who had absolutely no idea how to play poker, won 13 straight hands and ended up beating the person who didn't. Had nothing to lose. When you look at our lives as people, there's a big problem in our culture. Okay? And I'm going to say this is a problem. And this is for all of us. It's not just for certain individuals. This is for all of us. Anybody ever heard the second of, I want to see Jesus, but I'm not ready to meet him yet? Like, I want to go to heaven, just not ready to go today? <coughs> that, that's a common saying. And while that saying gets some smiles... And while it's very understandable, because I think if we were all honest, like it would be really hard to like just go today, like right now, not get to tell anybody bye, if like we were all saying, okay, Jesus come right now, it'd be like, it'd be a little hard to think about, right? But the attitude of our hearts as followers of Christ has been so soft to the concept and understanding of what God requires of us that we really miss how important this question is to ask ourselves and to know the answer to. Because if I ask you today, are you ready to meet Jesus right now? Like do you, like whenever I say we're all going to heaven right now, how many of you get excited and then how many of you feel the butterfly in your gut saying, I'm not ready to go right now? whether it's because of sin in your life or there's still things you want to do or experience or you're just not ready to go. And we talked about it this morning in the first service. If your attitude is, I want to go to heaven, I just don't want to go right now, you could be 150 years old. And if that's the attitude of your heart, that attitude is going to carry. It don't matter if you were 500 years old. Until God changes the attitude in your heart, you're never going to be ready to meet him. And this is the thing about God and heaven that we need to understand as believers is that the whole point of this, the whole point of what we do, the whole point of church, the whole reason why we're here is to reunite us with our Father in heaven. Amen. That's the whole point. And so many people talk about heaven like, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven and see Uncle Bobby or Mama or Daddy or husband or wife or kid or, you, you know, it's like, And those might be some great benefits of being there one day. But the whole point of you having eternal life is not to see someone that you lost, but to see the God who you've never truly got to know for who he is. And that should be the passion and the cry of our heart. And that's the reason why we as people have a hard time of saying, yes, I'm ready to go to heaven right now. I want to go see Jesus now. That is not in a lot of people. And when you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you look at this whole issue with Nebuchadnezzar, and he asks them, he says, and this is, this is really funny because he, he brings them in. Now think about this. Uh, initially, the command was that everyone's going to bow down and you're going to do this or you will immediately get thrown into the fiery furnace. But were they immediately thrown into the fiery furnace? Mm-mm. They were brought in. They were talked to. They were given the option of option two. Okay, I'm going to give you a second chance to think this over and do this. And this is the reason why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you look at their attitude in this moment, it's like, whoa, Nebuchadnezzar, like. And you look at the way that they address him. This is important. They were never rude to him. They never looked at him and said, You're an idiot. I don't believe what you believe. I don't care. God's going to save me. They didn't do none of that. They were like, Oh, your majesty, we have no need to defend ourselves before you. Not because we don't respect you, your majesty. Not because we don't believe that God has ordained you to be in the position in your majesty. Like you look at the way they responded. Everything, they constantly referred to him as your majesty. They did not defy him. They did not disrespect him in any way. It was the simple fact of this line is too far and we will not cross this line. Your majesty. And we believe that our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we will never do this we don't need another chance. There's no need for you to call the mu- musicians out to play another tune for us to do this cuz it's not going to happen. And for us as believers in Christ, there should be an attitude in our heart to where we come to the point to where we say, "I'm ready to meet my God. I'm ready to meet my Savior." You know, Paul said for, to live is for Christ and to die is to gain. There was an understanding, as long as he lives, he's living for Christ. And if he dies, then he gets to gain everything. And that's an attitude, that's a mindset that needs to change in most of us as Christians in America. That we're not just believers because it's convenient or because we're just like, yeah, it's the right thing to do. Or, yeah, you know, it's being a Christian's beneficial. No, like... We're believers in Christ because we believe that God is everything. And I will not only give up everything in my life to serve him, but I will deny anything that you can offer me. Think back to last week. They said, you know, from chapter 1, it could have cost them their reputation from the very beginning by not going ahead and eating the food that they were supposed to eat, but they held out to honor God's law. In chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar offers them everything, and Daniel says, I don't want what you have, you keep it. I'm telling you this because God has revealed this to me so that you would know truth and know what's in your heart. And there's nothing that they could gain. There's nothing that Nebuchadnezzar could give them. And there's nothing that Nebuchadnezzar could take away from them that's going to make them move on where they stand in the decision that they've made. And therefore, there's no need to play the music to do round two. And as believers in Christ, there should be an attitude in our heart to meet God. And that's a question that you need to be able to answer for yourself this morning. am I okay with meeting God right now? Does it make me excited to think about meeting God right now? Or does it make my stomach churn because of maybe there's sin or maybe there's other things that I want to experience or, you know, I'm looking forward to things in life. And look at me. This is, this is important. If you can't answer that question with confidence this morning, it's not because I'm wanting to throw rocks at you or fuss at you. This is a question that we all have to resolve in our own hearts and we have to come to terms with. But we need to understand that if we cannot joyfully say, I would love to see Jesus right now, it means that we have grown to do. It doesn't mean that you're doomed or damned to hell. It doesn't mean that you're a terrible Christian or anything like that. It simply means that we have some growing to do. When you look at what we're reading in Daniel, these young men, they're just they're ahead of the game. They trust in their God. They obey His word. They cry out in prayer, and they've drew the line in the sand, and they have set in themselves, we are not crossing this. And because of that, God continually uses them to instill truth in a sinful and crazy situation and circumstance inside this kingdom with these kings who are, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, right? Like you read the book of Daniel, you know some of the crazy stuff's going on. Like this is a crazy situation and circumstance and God is continually using these young men to bring about his truth and influence in these people's lives. But it's a matter of faithfulness over their life, the longevity of their life, and they continually are representing God well, and they're ready to draw the line in the sand where the line counts, and they're ready to die for it. There's nothing that can be given or taken away to persuade them to do anything else. And that's where we need to be. Point number three, stick to your guns. A few weeks back, we talked about the first thing that we should do is get up and pray and seek God's face and ask Him to lead us and guide us before our feet ever hit the floor. It's almost, it would be the craziest thing in the world for us to say that we believe in God and not seek His wisdom and guidance and blessing on our life in every single thing that we do. And so, as people, when you pray, when you seek God, there should also be this cry in your heart saying, God, Show me what you want me to do today. Help me to be ready to do this, to make these decisions, to to help other people, to to witness to other people. Because if you don't have it on your heart and your mind, you're not going to do it. How many, let's see how many of you will be How many of you have had the opportunity to serve Christ, to do something in the name of Jesus, the opportunity to witness to somebody, and then all of a sudden, before you knew it, the opportunity was gone, and you didn't realize the situation until after it was done, and you couldn't go back and do it. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, because if it's not on our hearts and minds, and we're not expecting it, and we're not looking for it, when the opportunity presents itself, when God presents that opportunity we're not going to take advantage of it. We're not going to be ready. And it's not because God doesn't provide the opportunities, and it's not because God doesn't give you the things that you need to make those situations happen. He gives us everything that we need. It's simply because we're not ready. We need to stick to our guns. We need to have our minds made up before your feet hit the floor and you go out of your home to live your life Monday through Saturday. It needs to be in your heart and on your mind that you are going to serve God. And you're living in a day and time where our culture, our country, is pushing the envelope, the agenda is to change. The agenda is is to be open-minded. The agenda is to question morality, to question sexuality, to question gender. Everything is on the table. And if you can't see it, you're crazy. Everything is on the table. Everything's open for discussion. Everything is open for the ability to be able to change the definition of what it means and what it says and what it represents. And if you don't think that in your life and in your relationship with Christ, that there's not going to be a time where you're going to have to draw that line in the sand and you're going to have to say, no matter what you give me, no matter what you take away, even in my own life, I'm not going to cross this line. And there's no point in you calling the musicians out for round two. I don't need a second chance the mind's already made up. And we have a hard time understanding that because we don't face this in our, in our lives every day. But if you know anything about foreign missions, if you know anything about the global church, there are people around the world every day who literally have to make the decision of whether or not they're going to give up their life in the name of Christ. And it sounds cheesy, and you've heard a hundred people say it, but I'm telling you guys, if you don't think that... that The need for us to be ready to draw that line in the sand and know what we're willing to serve Christ for and what we're not, we better open our eyes and be ready. Because it may, it's going, you know, over the years, it's cost relationships, it's cost friendships, it may cost jobs, it may cost retirement. It may cost you a lot of things. And one day it may get to the point where it may cost you your life. And that's why as believers in Christ, we need to sit down and say, God, I'm not ready yet. I'm just, I, I can't honestly say that I would do this right now. I can't honestly say this is my mindset. And that's okay. But we should be crying out to God and say, God, help me to be ready if the time comes. Help me to be willing to give it up if the time comes. The sacrifice If the time comes, and even if it gets to the point of laying down my life in the name of Jesus Christ, help me to be ready when the time comes. And if you don't step out on faith and do it, you're never going to see God work and move. You with me today? If you don't believe it, and if you don't live it, you're never going to see God work and move. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are constantly being able to witness God move and work and do miracles because they are drawing the lines in the sand and saying, we will not cross this line. And for you as a believer in Christ, it is very important to draw those lines in the sand and know what you're willing to sacrifice for, what you're willing to endure in order to represent the name of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you bless us with. And I pray that you would be with the men and women who are in this room. From young to old. From the spiritually mature to the spiritually immature. God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts. Help us to serve you. Help us to love you. And God, help us to remember that your son bled and died not so that we could have earthly blessings. That's just some of the good that comes along with it sometimes. But that's not why he died. Jesus died so that we could be united with you in eternal life. And I pray that you would be our hope. You would be our treasure. You would be the thing that we long for and look for both now and in eternity. Jesus, we love you. We ask you to be with us and guide us. In your name we pray, amen.